Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. This is episode 43 on the Merry Biz Podcast with Matthew Kimberly. Welcome to Merry Biz. Get inspired to live your best life and learn what it takes to create an epic business from the world's most amazing entrepreneurs. We're your hosts, Emma and Carla Pappas. Let's get our merry biz on. super excited about today's guest. He's taught us a whole lot about business and sales. He's the head of the Book Yourself Solid School, author, world-renowned speaker, freaking hilarious, endearing and tall and witty and brilliant. And it is our absolute pleasure to welcome Matthew Kimberly to Mary Biz. Yay! I think I think that intro was meant for somebody else. <laughs> no, you are all those things and so much more, Matthew. Oh, goodness, I should let you talk to my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know what I want to do? I want to talk to you every day. Oh, we want to talk to you. you. My day started off well. Uh, Actually, it didn't start off that well. My dog, uh, who is six months old, she's adorable. Um, But we made the mistake of when we picked her up of, you know, she was tiny, she was a puppy, she was gorgeous, she was nervous. So she came into bed with me, right? That was six months ago. She hasn't left my bed. And of course, she was very excited. I'd just been away for 10 days. I got back and she was really excited to see me. And that manifested itself by being sick all over my bed. There were about about five or six individual puddles of vomit, uh, (laughs) which I discovered. Poor thing. She's absolutely fine. Got it checked out. She's great. She has to go to the vet this evening uh, anyway for a jab. So we're going to get her looked at again. But I think it was a combination of something she ate and sheer excitement at seeing me again. So, and with two young kids in the house, well, you know, Sam is six now, but Edward is, Edward is two. So this morning has been an awful lot of bodily fluids. <laughs> oh gosh, do you know what's really funny is that's our first question. What's been on your agenda today? So bodily fluids has been on the yeah, agenda. I don't know where to begin. You know, just got back from Africa. I picked something up. Um, my son is still in diapers. Uh, my dog is vomiting. Um, yeah, my day has been, I did stop for a coffee very briefly. <laughs> Oh, that's a good idea. Office. So that was, yeah, it probably wasn't a great idea actually thinking about it. Um, but uh, uh, that's been my agenda. You know, typically a typical morning for me is um, roll out of bed, getting licked by the dog, uh, which is lovely. Uh, check my phone, read my emails, you know, check the, the holy trinity of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Oh, and Snapchat now as yes. well. Scratch my head. Um, normally, my wife then takes the 
oldest one, she takes the dog for a walk and she puts the oldest one on the bus. That's about seven o'clock in the morning. If the youngest one is still asleep, I then jump into bed with him and we sleep for up, up to an hour, uh, which is nice, between seven and eight, which is absolutely beautiful. Then get up, um, potter around, uh, always, nearly always go for a coffee with my wife and youngest uh, before I head into the office. And I have an office which is just outside um, of my home. It's about a five, ten minute walk. Uh, where I settle in, and um, you are indeed my first appointment of the day. It's just gone 12 o'clock in the afternoon. I've done a bit of work up until now, you know, a few emails. I actually had a call with another uh, client and friend of mine in uh, Australia this morning pretty early, uh, but I did, that, I did that from my boudoir. Um, Very nice. Uh, in between the piles of dog oh, bottles. Yeah. And I will, um, I will probably finish up in about five hours. Uh, the dog needs to go to the vet. There is a, a couple of meetings this afternoon, and I'll be writing some emails. And that's a pretty typical day for me, actually. You know, get up, uh, write some emails, talk to some clients, and uh, do something fun like this. You know, kind of podcast interview or. Uh, I used to have long lunches when I worked in the civil service. I'm, I'm so sorry. I know I'm setting the agenda. Are we out of time yet? No, um, I used to <laughs> please don't. We just love talking to you. <laughs> There'd be like two-hour lunches or even two-and-a-half-hour lunches were kind of par for the course. And two-and-a-half-hour lunches with a uh, you know, glass of wine. And sometimes, especially on a Friday, glass would become a bottle. Uh, <laughs> but I realize you know, I'm 35 years old now and I just don't have the energy for alcohol anymore unless I don't have any work the next day. You know, occasionally if I've got a late night webinar or a late night call, because a lot of my clients are in the States, so I'll often, you know, do a nine o'clock in the evening call. I'll, I'll walk home along the seafront where I live and there'll always be a bar open. I might stop for a beer, but I always feel it the next day. Always. So um, I, I absolutely adore to drink alcohol. I'm an Englishman, uh, but I'm critically aware of my limits now. So there's no lunchtime boozing ever. How did we even get on to that? I know. No. Yeah, no. Something about the long uh, lunches. Health, health, right? Health yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. health. Yeah, we're, we're all about we're all um, about the health, but we do also enjoy a few drinks, cocktails. Yeah, tropical thing. And tank. that's where we met you at tropical think tank. And I'm sure we were probably drinking cocktails together. Oh yeah, you probably don't remember, but <laughs> I. Excuse me. <laughs> Well you were you were and such good company such fun if um anybody listening to this hasn't had the pleasure of spending time uh with the merrymaker sisters they are considerably uh great company i was going to say considerably more fun in person but that's not true because you're great fun virtually <laughs> like this. but you are even more this is about you in person Stop nobody it. listens to the merrymaker sisters <laughs> podcast to hear the guests. They listen to hear Carla and Emma and their wonderful double act and their incredible. <laughs> so let's make it about you. Girls, what about you? Oh, okay. We have a question for and, you. And oh. how you can help everyone and us too. Yes. Okay. So we want to know how you got so good at selling stuff. Tell us a bit about your story. Listen, I'm not, I'm not a very good salesperson. Oh, um, are you sure? You're kidding me. Well, um, I believe that I'm not a natural. What I do have naturally is um, the ability to make friends, right? Yeah. So um, doesn't mean I make friends with everybody, uh, but I, you know, if I want to make friends with somebody, typically that can happen. Um, and you know, I think a little bit of extroversion doesn't hurt because part of being um, persuasive or being able to ask people to say yes to you uh, is about putting yourself out there in a way that many people won't. 
right? It's about making the ask. We are uh, trained from a young age that asking for things is, um, it, oh, no, sorry, the vast majority of us are trained from a young age that we, um, you know, what, what we have is what we get and that's it and we shouldn't ask for more. So I think a little bit of extroversion doesn't hurt, but um, I'm also inherently lazy. I mean, my, my working day doesn't start until I've got up, gone back to bed, gone for a coffee, <laughs> come into the office, you know. Uh, so I'm inherently lazy and I was aware of this and I'm, you know, I certainly am afraid of hard work, although some of my uh, previous colleagues and bosses may disagree with me, you know, that I know what's going on in my head um, and I know that, uh, you know, it doesn't come naturally to me, hard work or, or discipline. Mm -hmm. So because of that, um, I look, I've, I've broken down or looked at the individual components that go into getting people to say yes. You know, what has to happen for the sale to be made? Uh, and there are really a series of steps that have to happen from, um, you know, people liking you to uh, an appropriate offer being made to the appropriate person at the appropriate time. Um, and, and I figured that if I can identify, you know, break that down into, break the process of making a sale or getting people to say yes to you down into its individual components, then you can get, or I can get, a little bit more discipline to every tiny juncture, every tiny step. And if I have identified, for example, 16 components to a sales process, and I figure if I can get 1% or 2% better at every single one of those, then that's going to have a wonderful cumulative effect. Uh, but, but, you know, the, I believe that even the worst salesperson in the world, uh, the most reluctant salesperson, hawking the world's worst product to the world's least qualified group of people, <laughs> will get lucky sometimes just through activity and persistence. Mm. Um, and you hear that sales is a numbers game. It's, it's not entirely true, but it is partly true. You know, it's not only a numbers game. It's not exclusively a numbers game. But if the numbers aren't there, what do you expect? And if you're the world's worst salesperson and you go and you have a thousand conversations with a thousand different people and you don't know if they're qualified or not or in the market or have the resources to afford your offer, um, you're going to get lucky. You are. And even if you're a great salesperson who only has conversations with 10 people, your results will not be the same. Uh, does that answer your question? Oh, also, lots and lots and lots of practice. You know, yes. from, the age, from the age of 16 or 17. No, from the age of... 14 or even younger, I have been self-employed. You know, I was, I was juggling in the street um, probably by the age of 13, wow. 12 or 13. I was doing that and, and 14, definitely doing that. And then by the age of 15, I was selling double glazing on the telephone and, and by the age of 16, going door to door. Um, and then, and then um, you know, I've been in sales jobs for the best part of 20 years. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. So good. And like your sessions when you get up on stage are just the best. Like when you talk about sales, it makes sales fun because I think like us, like we've like we've been in jobs since we were 13, but we still like really struggled when we started to sell ourselves and our own products. So like what do you say to people who just like absolutely hate sales or they think they really, 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 really suck at it? Like they're just really bad at it. Don't do it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, what about you know, what about if get you somebody, get somebody else to do it for you? True. You know? yeah. Outsource. Yes. Outsource yeah. and everybody's got everybody's got time uh, and everybody's got some financial resources. Uh, and the beauty of sales is you don't have to have either of those to outsource it. Because I believe the best salespeople are prepared to work on a commission only basis. Mm. So if you're naturally a product developer, 
um, if you're naturally someone who makes things, and listen, you have to be good. You have to have confidence in your product, even if you're not going to be the one selling it. Um, and I would also argue that the CEO or the founder or the inventor uh, is often the chief evangelist and the, and the most effective salesperson in any organization. But you don't need any resources to hire commission-only salespeople. You just need to recompense them, reimburse them generously based upon the results that they get. And quickly, I might add. You know, if they're, if they're cutting a deal, if you're selling a product for $1,000 or, or uh, yeah, selling a product or a service for $1,000 and you know that it's good and you can sit down with the salesperson and talk them through the product so they know it like the back of their hand, talk them through the customer so they understand the customer's um, needs and desires and, uh, and, and, you know, results that they're looking for and you give them all the tools that they need then you can let them compete against each other. You can hire 10 salespeople at the same time and say, guys, listen, you're going to get paid when I get paid, and I'm going to pay you generously, so go out there and make hay. That's very clever. That's really smart. I like this. <laughs> now, something that really stuck out for me when you were speaking about your 16 um, like sales steps um, mm -hmm. was getting people to like you. So I want you to talk about this. Like, How can you become more likable? Sure. Well, I think uh, likability is about uh, a few things. Uh, one of them is um, is about magnetism, mm -hmm. right? So we like we are drawn to people that we like, mm -hmm. like a magnet. Okay. So like a magnet, we are attracted. Uh, we become a magnet when we attract people. Um, and in order to be magnetic, we need to have a north and a south, right? Mm -hmm. There isn't a magnet on Earth that doesn't also repel. So, so I'm not suggesting that you, you know, stick your fingers up at people and, and <laughs> show them your bare bottom and, and write nasty things about them. Um, you know, I very rarely get into situations like that. It's not unheard of, but you know, very rarely would that happen. Um, but I think it's about standing for something, right? So if we think of the most controversial figures in the world, they are the most magnetic. They're the people who stand for something most strongly. They're also the people who are probably the best salespeople in the world. Look at... Justin Bieber, yeah, right? Um, he, he's yeah. You love him, and I. Love I him. And okay, so both of you love him, but um, <laughs> for, for every single person that loves, I mean, really loves Justin Bieber, they are true believers. There is another person mm. who can't stand him. You know, they actively dislike him. They will go out of their way to bring the guy down, and that's because he's truly magnetic. Uh, if we look at, you know, uh, cult, uh, topical reference, Donald Trump. Yes. Right? Donald Trump. Um, love him or hate him? Yes, one of the two, right? Because he truly stands for something. And I think when you, when you stand for something, people will like you because people like people who share their own beliefs. So that's very important. Uh, I think the other side is, um, uh, is transparency. And I don't mean transparency to the extent where you, um, you know, you share selfies of yourself taking a dump you know i don't <laughs> think i also think you know something brian clark somebody we both know said uh, a conference i attended many many years ago is that you know you've got to um you've got to be transparent you've got to be yourself but you've got to be the best version of yourself yeah. right so the best version of yourself means that if you are struggling or suffering with i don't know uh, uh, depression, let's say, something, something that, you know, touches many people, uh, including members of my family. Um, it's, it's okay to acknowledge that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's okay yeah. to acknowledge that, but I think it would be commercial suicide if that became your brand, mm -hmm. unless you were 
you know, unless that was actually your brand. But if you, you know, there's transparency and there's openness and then there's being a downer. So you don't want to be a downer. You don't want to turn people off with your bowel movements um, unless that's your specific brand. But um, I think a certain amount of transparency and openness because people like real. Everybody has a very strong bullshit detector. Everybody sniffs out a fraud and a fake. And even if we can't put our finger on it, often our gut instincts will tell us something isn't quite right and there's nothing worse you know any boss will tell you is there's nothing worse than an employee um who bluffs right uh, or 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 a consultant who comes into your office and starts to make things up because they don't know the answer i think transparency and openness and, and honesty um is about being prepared to you know um wear on your sleeve very firmly who you are mm-hmm. uh, and not try to pretend to be somebody you're not I loved all of that so much, especially the magnetic stuff. I mean, I think think in this day and age, people have like a a fear of being themselves and putting themselves out there because you're afraid of haters. But it's like for every hater you have, you probably have like double the lovers. So I think it's a really important message that like, yes, just be yourself, put yourself out there. You'll get haters, but that's okay. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I also think, you know, a lot of people in our, in our by our space, I mean, kind of personality led business, personality led tiny businesses. Yeah. Um, you know, the people that we are all, we're all following each other on, on, on social media. We're all going to the same conferences. It's all a bit of a circle jerk. You know, who I'm talking about, everybody. Right? So, yeah, it's huge fun. And, and, you know, friends get friends work. Um, and, and it's, and it's, uh, which is something that Michael Port and Amy Port, my business partner, say all the time in the speaking, you know, public speaking key, uh, air, arena. If you want to get work, hang out with other speakers. It's absolutely true. But um, that's a bit of a, uh, a I'm, I'm sidetracking myself slightly. I think a lot of us are doing it wrong um, by attempting to appeal to everybody because it becomes very vanilla and very bland and very boring. And, you know, some people are naturally less offensive than others. And I, again, I don't have to uh, keep giving this disclaimer. I don't mean being proactively offensive. I mean, some people are just sugar and spice and sweetness and loveliness like you girls, right? <laughs> um, but the vast majority of us um, could actually do a lot better and be a lot more memorable to, t- to take a stand mm. um, and to not be afraid to ruffle some feathers and not be afraid, you know, movement happens when there's, or sorry, emo- motion causes emotion. Mm. Right, So don't be afraid to rock the boat and make some waves. And look at the people who are really doing it well, really doing it well. And I've mentioned them. They attract the haters equally because they are Donald Trump, Lady Gaga, Justin Bieber. Um, you know, any, any person who is a wild, wide, widely celebrated and, and vilified in the media, is, you know, a columnist or a talking head or a, or a pundit or, or someone who's invited to give their opinion. If you don't have an opinion... It's very boring, and I can't stand platitudes. There is a terrible, boring movement for, uh, by platitudes, I mean meaningless, motivational quotes that don't mean anything, that are meant to inspire people. I say originality is going to be one of the things. And by original, I mean being yourself, because nobody else can be you. You are the original you. Uh, So be yourself. And if it means you have to drop an F-bomb, drop an F-bomb. If you hate, drop the F-bombs. Don't ever use them. Yeah. Um, you know, so um, I, think, I, think, uh, I, I think we could all do this a lot 
better. Uh, and, and the best proof of that is that the most famous, most celebrated, and probably some of the wealthiest personal brands in the world are not from the small business world. They're from the show business world, mm. where people are not afraid to be themselves. They're not afraid to open their mouth. They're not afraid to attract um, sticks and stones um, when they stick their heads above the parapets. And actually, if you look at, you know, in our world, take the classic example of Gary Vee. You know, yeah. Gary Vee, who is he? He is probably the single biggest um, celebrity who's crossing over from the small business YouTube yeah. Uh, well, to doing you know real business, um, and and why? Because he is the most outspo outspoken, yep. most personality-driven brand out there. So true. Gosh, that's so inspiring. I think that is such a good message. And I think, and it's a really good um, you know change of perspective to be like, yeah, like use those people as examples, even though they're like they're these huge, amazing superstars. Like, look to them, see what they're doing, and how can you put that sort of like in your business or whatever you're doing? I think it's about uh, not being willing to compromise. It doesn't, you, you, get, you know, you can't take away from the fact you have to have a good product. You have to have standards of mm -hmm. service uh, beyond reproach. You know, you have to respond to emails. You have to, um, you know, let people know when you're going to charge their card or, or at least yeah. get them to, you know, understand things like that. It's about not promising the world and, uh, and delivering a, a nothing. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's about being a professional, but we shouldn't mistake uh, professional with boring. We shouldn't mistake professional with corporate. Uh, yeah. You know, I had an email from from a prospective client the other day who I, you know, I think I dodged a bullet um, with him. It was it was a, it was a mistake from from beginning to end. You know, I approached it wrong. Um, I had an under I had one understanding about the way we were going into things. Uh, he had a completely different understanding. Um, I didn't trust my gut, and uh, as a result, I ended up getting pissed off, and I responded badly. Um, uh, I responded like I would respond to a family member. Right, <laughs> which isn't always the way we want to respond. To. <laughs> isn't always the way we want to respond to a prospective client. Um, just for you know, but but um, so I think I, I probably took it a little bit too far then. And he said, "This isn't very professional." And I immediately threw my hands up and said, "You're absolutely right. This isn't professional." But um, who's to say it's unprofessional to begin an email with the words "yo"? Who's to say it's unprofessional to start your meetings with a dance? Yeah. Who says it's unprofessional to um, come to work in a pair of sneakers and a t-shirt? Nobody. Oh. Uh, well, no, well, some people do, but they're, but they're wrong. Yeah, totally. We, like, we have been wanting to write about this for so long, yeah. like about how people like mistake like having fun for like yeah. unprofessionalism. We find that we get it a lot because like we giggle so much or like <laughs> ha just have so much fun. People just think we're like a joke or something or not don't take business seriously or I don't know what they think, but we definitely think it's because of like our joy factor. Yeah, absolutely. And let them laugh and who cares? You know, I'm absolutely thrilled. Uh, the day I decided to leave the corporate yeah. life um, is the day that I started to smile and laugh again on, on a daily basis. Um, I can't even imagine you like in corporate life. Yeah, no, um, I wasn't very good at it. And, and uh, well, I was quite good at it, but it was killing me. And, and, yeah. and it, um, it's not about sticking it. For me, it wasn't about sticking it to the man. Uh, it wasn't about, you know, breaking off to do my own thing in pursuit of freedom, although it probably was those things to a degree. It was just about enjoyment. Yeah. I thought, sod it. You know, if we're going to have to spend uh, – and by the way, it was the day that my income tripled and, and <laughs> the day I started to travel more and had a lot of fun and moved to a country where I wanted to live. Um, and that was, I think, by rejecting um, corporatism or rejecting the idea 
that a professional has to be in a three-piece suit and has to be uh, obsequious and sniveling and groveling. And, you know, the structures are, are, for, for corporate life are, are, are feudal. They're hierarchical. They're put in place for a very, very good reason. Because if you're going to be in charge of a group of people, there has to be a chain of command. Yeah. And for some of us, there has to be. You know, it's the only way that it's going to work. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for many of us uh, who don't fit so well into that, um, it's a good idea to look at the alternatives. And, and I'd always encourage anyone who, who you know, is, is tempted to explore being a freelancer or being self-employed, not necessarily to be an entrepreneur, not necessarily to start a company, mm-hmm. but to just be self-employed. And that's definitely something that we should, we, we have a duty to ourselves and our families to explore. Totally. Freaking love this. So we're like seriously almost out of time and I can't believe how fast it's gone. So I want to end. We have one last question before this last question. So it's like two last questions. Um, But I want to get your top sales tips. If there's like three things that you could tell our listeners that, you know, that they could make these small little changes that they could definitely make more sales, what would it be? Um, The first one would be assume the sale. So a lot of... uh, a lot of sales trainers uh, preach the positively Jurassic concept, and by Jurassic I mean it's you know, really from another era, um, that to assume makes an ass out of you and me, and they all think they're saying it for the first time, and they all pat themselves on the back and think it's, it's fantastic and funny. Uh, I, I would say we should, actually, no, we should assume the sale. If we do our homework well, we should walk into a meeting with a prospect and just assume that, of course, they're going to want to work with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that ties in with the second tip. Um, uh, and that's related to confidence. And the second tip is also related to confidence. In fact, I think 90% of sales is related to confidence. And, and confidence comes from different things like product knowledge and experience and uh, being certain that you know what you're doing and stuff like that. But the second tip I'd be is um, the second tip I would be, let me start that sentence. Again. <laughs> tip I would give is that you've got to walk in and see your prospect as an equal. The minute that you put your prospect on a pedestal is the minute they start to put their feet on top of you and use you as a footrest. Um, and, and we can smell the dynamics of a relationship with a new person within a split second of meeting them from their body language. And what a lot of salespeople do is they suck up to potential prospects and potential prospects say, I see that I am the decision maker here, but it's got to be a mutual decision, right? It's got to be cooperative. It's got to be the case of, um, hi, I'm here for you because I'm the best thing for you. So uh, let me diagnose what I think is the best course of action for you. And if you agree, then we'll go forwards rather than Mr. Client, it's such a huge pleasure to be here. And absolutely. That you uh, deign to give me two minutes of your day. I'll be as quick as I possibly can because I know you're very busy. No nonsense to that. You should walk in like you own the place, um, uh, confident, not cocky, confident, not arrogant, um, and assume the mantle of a, a trial lawyer or a doctor. When was the last time you walked into a, a doctor's office and they said, Oh, thank you so very much for being here? I'm so very glad. <laughs> Honor of doing it. No, no. You're the prize. They are going to get an opportunity to work with you if you accept them as a client. So you walk in there like the most confident of management consultants, uh, uh, or whatever it is you're selling, and you sit down and you say, right, so uh, what's the problem? And here's what we're going to do. Uh, and the third tip I would say is, you know, activity counts. I used to sit down with clients back when I did one-to-one coaching and, and I'd say, you know, at the beginning of our relationship, I'd say, so uh, how many sales have you made this week? And they'd say, no, no, that's why I hired you. And I'd say, fair enough, okay. Um, uh, and I'd say, so how many sales offers have you made this week or how many sales conversations have you had this week? And they'd say, none. <laughs> <I'd> say, <"Okay." laughs> 
think I'm seeing a correlation here. I'm no genius, but uh, so yeah, I'd say you know don't you know don't preclude making sales offers as part of your daily routine, and don't be surprised then if you make enough offers, then enough people say yes. You're amazing. We love you. So You're amazing. <laughs> We're all amazing. So before we do get to our very last question, we would love you to share with our listeners, where is the best place to find all this information and more info about you? You must, absolutely categorically must, become my friend. And in order to be my friend, you have to go to – I'm only friends with people who are in my address book. So you have to go to matthewkimberly.com, uh, and that's two Ts, Matthew with two Ts, and it's L-E-Y at the end. And on that page or on that website, there are multiple opportunities for you to give me your email address. Give it to me once. I'll send you a ton of good stuff, uh, and then we can become pen pals, and who knows, we might hang out. What is the one mantra you're living by right at this moment? Life is short. Boom. That is a good one. Good, good to remember that one. Oh, thank you so much, Matthew, for coming on the show. We've had the best time talking with you, always. Always the best I time with you. I literally love you. Oh, I love you too, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Thanks, girls. probably the funnest podcast interview ever. Well, definitely one of them. If you loved that interview and if you're loving the Merry Beers podcast, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. You can leave us five stars because that's the best and we would be so, so grateful to read your review. We have so many amazing interviews coming up. We can't wait to share them with you as well as our own business journey. So if you have a topic that you would like us to cover, it can be anything at all. Be sure to hit us up on Snapchat or Instagram or Facebook, or you can even email us. We don't mind. And we'll make sure we pop it on the schedule. Hope you have the best day ever. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you